Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Ready for some gospel? Come on, that's all I got, right? Somebody, I always laugh when people say, man, what are you preaching? I'm like, Jesus, bro, like, like, let me talk about breakthrough or something? Jesus. If, if I want to talk about healing, guess what I'm going to talk about? If I want to talk about breakthrough, guess what I'm going to talk about? If I want to talk about overcoming, guess what I'm going to talk about? That's, I am a one-trick pony, Jesus. All right, I think he's the answer for the ages, and so... He is my message. Also, if you are a lady in the building, guess what? This upcoming Saturday at 5 p.m. right here in this building, we're having our next flourish. You might say, what in the world is flourish? Just come and check it out. It's going to be worth your time. When ladies get together, uh, they eat. Uh, there's, so there's always food. There's always fun. And there's always something specifically that they are chatting about together just as ladies. I know one thing as a man, I'm jealous because, you know, I never forget at the church that I was a part of. We had a men's gathering one time. They put peanuts on the table. Like, true story, they had peanuts on the table at a black tablecloth. And it was a three-day event, and, and they never cleaned the tables between the days. So, like, the second day, the same peanut shells are on there from the first day. I'm like, no decorations. And I'm like, and I know I'm a man, but I would like, can I get, like, I don't know, a little statue or something there, Jesus, that make it look better. But it don't look like that at Flourish. I'm just telling you, Flourish looks good. But make sure and sign up today. You do need to sign up just because they want to know and make sure they have space for you. You can also do that at our connection desk. If you brought your owner's manuals, let's look at John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. Everybody say Advent. Come on, one more time, say Advent. So this is the first week of Advent. And uh, that's probably one of those terms you hear a lot about, uh, or you, at least you hear the term, but you really don't, thank you, Aaron, you really don't hear a lot of people talk a lot about it. Um, but basically, it is the four weeks that are leading up to the birth of Christ. That is the celebration of Advent. That's the way that we remember, and you could say commemorate, commemorate uh, his coming, but also it's a way for us to remember and wait patiently for his second coming. And so today I want to talk about some things that were happening prior to the Advent. And I don't know, I may even up till Christmas talk about some of these things as well. But we have been in uh, a series of family talks here on the topic of union. Everybody say union. I'll probably be doing this honestly to the day that I die because I found out that all of my life flows uh, my life with Jesus flows from this one word, and that is the one word called union. Some things that we've talked about, some big points that we've talked about have been this. Um, one, you no longer have to strive in your walk with Jesus. How many have ever found yourself striving to be a Christian? I mean, come on, I'm striving. When you get a revelation of union, that stops. As long as you're striving in your walk with God, it is a sure sign that you haven't received a revelation of, watch this, faith righteousness. As long as you're trying to be better simply by what you do, that's actually called performance. And see, that's difficult not to do because you get, not that doing well is bad. We want you to do well where you work. And because you do well where you work, we reward you where you work. We want you to do well on the basketball team. Because you do well, we give you a trophy, right? And so, but that mindset bleeds over into our walk with Jesus, and it really does create performers. And even in church, we say things like, you know what, Novelin is really spiritual. She is a leader. She's always here. She reads her Bible all the time. She prays all the time. That's what maturity looks like. <laughs> and so... Without even trying it, we create performers out of everybody. And now I'm competing to try to be more spiritual than Jason. As if he or me were the example. Right? So under the law, the old covenant, they were a bunch of performers. The rulers of Israel were performers. They kept these 613 commandments, which really ended up being about 1,200 commandments because they added another 600 or some by the time Jesus arrived on the planet. And it was all based off do, 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 do. The old covenant is about what we do. 
the new covenant is about what he did. You read these words all the time in the old covenant. If you, then I'll. You don't read that in the new covenant. The new covenant is this. It is finished. You would not be surprised how many people get offended at me when I just talk about new covenant realities. Are you, brother, you act like we don't have to do anything. No, I'm telling you. Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. Why does that offend me? Because I want to perform to be approved of. The new covenant is all, old covenant is all about trying. The new covenant is about receiving. (laughs) Trusting. Listen. The old covenant is about trying. The new covenant is about trusting. The old covenant, you had to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. By the way, Jesus quoted that. Jesus was an old covenant figure who was, the new covenant actually did not start until after the cross and resurrection. So rightly dividing truth has to deal with not whether or not you know Greek and Hebrew. It actually means whether you know what old covenant and new covenant is. When have you or I always and consistently ever loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength? The truth is never. One man did that. His name was Jesus. You know what the, new, the one commandment really in the new covenant is? Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. Because if I loved him, I'm not going to steal from Tim. If I loved him, I'm not going to try to sleep with Tim's wife. If I loved him, I'm not going to bash his reputation. See how love conquers all? Listen. This is new covenant realities. We also talked about no striving. We also talked about in the new covenant, you don't have to try to get close to God anymore. Because in the old covenant, they were always trying to get close to God. Bring another cow up here and let's kill it. Oh, you did good on them first 74 commandments, but boy, you missed the 75th one. Oh. And the old covenant says, if you miss or break one commandment, you're guilty of what? I bless you with that revelation in Jesus' name for all my law keepers in the room tonight. You can no longer get close to God. How do you get close to God? Do you read more? Do you pray more? Do you fast more? Do you attend service more? Do you give more money? Do you start more orphanages? I mean, you know, do you do more outreaches? Do, do, do you build more hospitals? How do you get closer to God? All of those are external things that are good things, but they are poor substitutions in light of what Christ has done. You can no longer get close to God based off good behavior. Here's why. All of our righteousness outside of Jesus, all of our righteousness combined, Isaiah said, all of our righteousness put together is like what? Filthy rags. Which not being graphic was either one of two things. It was either a woman's menstrual cloth or if you went to war and you got wounded and they wrapped your arm in a bandage and that bandage that sucked up or the bandage that absorbed all of the pus and the blood and the ooze, that was the, the two filthy rags in biblical times. He said all of your righteousness together is like that. How can you get closer to God than this? Paul said 164 times, in Christ. How can I get closer to Tim than being in him? And guess what? That was accomplished by Jesus. Not only are you and I in Christ, as Paul wrote, you can see his revelation progressing. He said, now it's Christ in you. And if you didn't know, he says, that's actually the hope of glory. You ready for it? I'm going to give you the mystery of all the ages. You ready for it? I'm going to tell you what Paul said. I'm going to close the Bible. We can go home. What kind of man do you, how bold do you have to be to make this statement? Paul said, I'm fixing to show you a mystery that's been hid from the foundation of the earth. But, I'm, but God revealed it to me. I'm like, okay, bad boy, what is that? You ready for it? You ready? Everybody say, I'm ready? Right here it goes. He said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mic drop. Why was that powerful? It's not Christ outside of you that you got to say a prayer that he then jumps inside of you and becomes hope of glory. He said the revelation is Christ is already in every man, and that's the hope of glory. 
And then the other one was, he said, God is making one man out of the two. You Jews and Gentiles, God is busting that wall down, and he's going to create one new human race, one, one new man, Paul called him. He's breaking down the middle wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles and breaking two together, and it's going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you can no longer get close to God by doing good. You can make you feel good by doing good, but you don't get close to God by doing good. What can you do better than what Jesus did for you? So you don't have to strive when you walk with God. You can't get closer to God by doing. Watch this. Number three, you no longer have to try to die to yourself. How many have ever tried to die to yourself? How many have ever heard this? Crucify your flesh. How'd that work out for you? I mean, realistically, give me a hammer and a nail. I heard my father-in-law say this one time. I'm like, Bishop, that's so good. I'm going to throw, I'm I'm throw something. That's good. You, you, could, you, could, you could nail both your feet and one of your hands, but you still got one hand you can't nail. Crucify your flesh. Quit taking scripture out of context. When you take scripture out of context, you're left with a con. When you take text out of context, you're left with con. And it will deceive you 100% of the time. Right? So when Paul says he was dying daily, he was not talking about he was trying to get up on a cross and crucify himself. Right? You're talking about a man who had been stoned, who had been left for dead, who had been shipwrecked, he had been beat. That's his dying daily, which most of us, we die daily because somebody defriended us on Facebook. I'm like, I got, you unfriended me. I'm like, who cares? I unfriend people every week just to add new people on. Like I go through my stream, who cussed? You're off, you're on. I get messages every week. Can you please add me on Facebook? I'm like, I need to start uh, whatever you call it where you can have unlimited friends. I need to do that. But anyway, I don't care if people unfriend me. It wouldn't bother me if my wife unfriended me. I live with her. And we call that persecution. I'm dead. That's not persecution. Who cares if you can't see what, what I'm eating at Chick-fil-A? Nobody really cares anyway. We're so self-absorbed, right? How can you die a better death to yourself than what Jesus died for you? Listen. How can you die a better death to you than what Jesus did for you? And when I try to get closer to God by doing, and when I try to die to myself by my own doing, I'm telling the Father what Jesus did was not good enough. Watch what I'm doing now. Gospel. You ready? All right. Let's look at Luke chapter 1. That's where we've been. If if you're not uh, following along via our podcast, man, follow along. Like, follow along. Follow along. Luke chapter 1. I'm probably going to start reading. Man, I want to read the whole chapter, but it's a little too long. I'm not sure where we'll go or exactly what we'll do today, but we're just going to, I'm going to just feed you with what's been feeding me. I've been the last two days just reading about Advent stuff and what was going on, and I want to share some of these thoughts with you as we build up into Christmas. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Everybody say Zacharias. He was of the division of Abijah. His wife was the, of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Now, I want you to hear this. This is a big statement. They were both righteous before God. Watch this. That's powerful because this is Old Covenant. They were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless. But, everybody say but. Now, isn't that a beautiful verse? If God says of you, especially under the law, you are righteous before me, Hannah, and you are keeping all the commandments. I can't find nothing wrong about your life. You're blameless. That's a beautiful statement. And then you get the next verse. But. So when, you read, when you're reading and the word but pops up, it's just simply saying what well, you just read is about to get consumed by the next statement. But they had no what? Because Elizabeth was eating from Popeye. See, see what I'm telling you? You see that right there? Which, by the way, I tell a Popeye joke every week. I'm not lying. I flew home last week to spend a few days with my mom. I, they obviously don't listen to our podcast, but I'm in the car. I'm like, where do you guys want to go eat? I'll take you anywhere you want. My niece says, Uncle Josh, she's like, can, can we go to Popeye's? I went, let me tell you something. I, let me tell you something. 
Hold on, seriously. I had old covenant realities coming through my mind. You know, God would wipe out people. And God just thought, I, saw, I thought she was joking. She's like, I really love to go to Popeye's. I'm like, okay. So we make a 30-minute drive. We get to Popeye's. We get to the drive-thru. The lady comes on, you know, thug life. They're always thugs for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> what, what you want to eat? I'm like, have y'all had no training today? Is today your first day? What you want to eat? Um, and my, my niece starts ordering. She says, uh, the lady says, by the way, we don't have any chicken. I went, no. <laughs> just like, come. True, I called my wife. I said, you are not going to believe what just happened. She said, we got biscuits and we got fries and some other stuff. I'm like, but you Popeye's chicken. It's not Popeye's and other stuff. It's Popeye's chicken. So, so I, I rolled down the window, spit on the grass and drove off. And I thought, this is horrible. This is Popeye's chicken. So that really happened. And if the owner of Popeye's ever hears this, if you send me a check, I will take all that back. But until you do that, I'm good. That happened. And then we went to Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A had chicken. I'm just telling you. So anyway, so, so Popeye's was barren, but okay. They had no child. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advancing years. So watch this. Faithful to God. Everybody say faithful to God. Say keeping the commandments. But say no child. Say this. Say they're old. So verse 8. So it was while Zacharias was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, which by the way, historically, they had about 20,000 priests in the days of Zechariah. You would probably get caught on to do this one thing one time. And the one time he gets caught on to burn incense, this happens. He was, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his vision, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. This is literally the whole nation of Israel. They're outside praying, waiting for him to get done so he could come out and he would speak over them the Arionic blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. They're waiting for him to come and do that. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Which, by the way, John means gracious. Zachariah means uh, Jehovah remembers. And Elizabeth means oath or covenant. If you look it up, that's literally what it means, literally. Okay. Um, you'll call his name John. Watch this. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him. Notice that's the capital H. He will go before, who's him? That's the Messiah. He will go before Jesus or the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah. Why? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, which was what I would have said, how do I know this? I'm an old man. They don't, we don't have the V pill, right? My wife is well advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, Look at, listen to this. Listen to what the angel said. This, uh, let, me, let me give you a paraphrase. The angel says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to tell you these, this good news. Let me paraphrase. Brother, you don't have any clue who I am. Gabriel means hero or mighty one in Greek, literally. I'm God's mighty one. I, I only leave his presence when he gives me a message, and he sent me to tell you this, and you doubting. Behold. You will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in their own time. In other words, that is your sign. When mute hits your lips, you'll know it was really God. And the people waited for Zacharias and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Because what were they waiting for? They were waiting for him to come out and say, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. Right, But when he came out, he could not speak to them. Look at these, these people so bright. 
and they perceive that he's seen a vision in the temple because he beckoned to them and remained speechless. They get the Captain Obvious Award. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she did, watch this, and she hid herself for five months, saying to herself, the Lord has dealt with me in the day when he looked upon me and he took my reproach away from people. Man, I want to keep on reading. Ah, so much here. Look at verse 57. 57. You guys tracking with me? I ain't read this much Bible in church service in a long time, unless you come here because we read Bible in this church. Now Elizabeth full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. And when our neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. That's what Gabriel said, right? They'll rejoice when he's born. When he was born, his dad spoke another prophecy. I won't read all of it, but it's absolutely beautiful. Look at verse 80, last verse of chapter one. So John grew, the child grew, became strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Until the day of his manifestation to all of Israel. Everybody say Advent. Say that means waiting. Most historians or theologians believe it's probably around 4,000 years from Adam and Eden till Jesus Christ being born. It's debatable, but that's what most believe. 4,000 years from Adam and Eden to Jesus being born. There was a promise spoken to Adam by Yahweh, and that promise was after Adam and Eve sinned, he said the seed of the woman, spoke this to a serpent, is going to crush your head, but you'll bruise his heel. That was really a prophetic statement because everybody knows that women don't have seed. Men carry the seed. And I'm so grateful that God gave us that response. Thank you, Lord. He's, God is faithful, all right? So this was a prophecy of the virgin birth before anybody knew what that was. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head, serpent. It's a prophecy of the virgin birth. You go on down several thousand years until maybe 3,000 years or so until the days of Isaiah. And Isaiah likewise gave a prophecy in Isaiah 53 concerning the virgin birth. He said his birth will be like this. He will be like a root out of dry ground. Roots don't really like to germinate very well in dry ground, but he said, no, this is going to be a root in dry ground that's going to come forth. And really, from the days of Adam all the way to Jesus, when you read this, the, the Bible, you see these little inserts of promises of there's coming one. There's coming one. There's coming one. He'll be like water. There's coming one. He'll be like bread. There's coming one. He'll, he'll be like fire. There's coming one. He'll open the eyes of the blind. There's coming one. He'll restore ruined cities. There is coming one that when he comes, he'll make us take our weapons of war and beat them into plowshares. There's coming one. And so you have all of these prophecies and, and the nation of Israel eventually was born, but their greatest promise, their greatest hope was when is the Messiah coming? When's he coming? What's he going to look like when he comes? God could have chosen to reveal himself on the planet through any nation, but he chose this small little nation in the Middle East. You ever look at a map and you look at Israel on the map and it's a very tiny nation. It's surrounded by bigger, much stronger, more vicious nations, but they wonder why they can't never wipe Israel off the map. I love the Bible passage where God says, Israel, you really are the apple of my eye. I think every time they shoot a missile in the Middle East, it's like poking God in the eye. How much of the, how long are you going to let me poke in the eye before you say, listen, dude, you better, you better, you better chill out a little bit. This is a nation that was burdened with a promise for the Messiah and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And this is Advent. Something that nobody in the room likes is nobody likes to what? We get upset when we go to fast food if it takes five minutes. 
No, hey, there's always a witness in the room. I'm just telling you, it's powerful, bro. Mighty God, that's good. We get upset, though. Seriously, we get upset. We get upset. We will choose the quickest path to get what we want every single time. I love telling people this, that when God gets ready, watch this, to develop your life, he doesn't use microwaves. He uses crockpots. Because he will slow cook you until you are as tender as he desires. That's why when God begins to really process our life and we begin to walk with him, he will never make shortcuts on our processing. You ever heard this statement? The reason Wendy's has squared burgers and the other burger restaurants don't is Wendy's says this. This is a true statement by Wendy's. They said, we don't cut corners. Somebody just got a revelation from Wendy's like, oh, wow. Like, oh, oh I'm gone. But they burgers be right, though. I'm not lying. Wendy's burgers are good. Everybody say waiting. Say Advent. So I'm waiting, Novelin, for this promise from God. A nation is waiting for a Messiah. You read in the waiting, man, they, they were so messed up. Do you know there's stories in the Bible where the nation of Israel, God's kids, were actually eating their own kids? Times, I mean, that's, that's about as rough as you can get. Uh, Kings records that the nation of Israel had gotten so far away from God that they were literally, watch this, they were eating dove's dung and donkey's head. And that was their value meal from their drive-thru in Galilee. That's how, that's how desperate times had gotten. That's how far away from God they had gotten. When you read the book of Judges, <laughs> they would do good for a little bit and they would prosper. And as soon as they, got, they were living in a blessed state, they would say, okay, we got this thing figured out now. And they would walk away from God. And when they would walk away from God, it's like judgment would come to them. And then they would get in a bad place for like 30, 40, 50 years. And then they would pray and say, God, help us. And then God would revisit them again and bring them back to a prosperous state. And then the whole thing would just keep repeating. And you just saw Israel on this religious hamster wheel. I serve God to get blessed. I walk away when I get blessed. And then my life goes to, quote, unquote, hell in a handbasket. And then we go back to God and we say, God, bless us again. And then when God blesses my marriage or my business, now I got this thing figured out. And then we walk away. And then our life goes down. And we go back to God again. You know, I need help with my finances. And then God comes and revisits them and gives them wisdom. And then they just, and this whole vicious cycle begins to happen as you read the scripture. But you find these pockets of hope in there as you read. You find pockets of hope. I don't like waiting no more than the last person likes waiting. But when I read these scriptures leading up to Advent, my heart is moved because scripture is not powerful to you. Watch this until it's first personal to you. I'm going to say it again. Scripture is not powerful to you until it's first personal to you. You got to find yourself when you read the scripture. I find myself when I read this story here. Zechariah means God remembers. The name Elizabeth means oath or covenant. Thank you, Blue Letter Bible app, for telling me that. Watch this. When oath or when God remembers was intimate with oath or covenant, they birthed John, and his name means grace. Did you listen? When a man who remembered became intimate with oath or covenant, they birthed grace to the planet. But what do you do when you are the nation of Israel waiting for Messiah to come in? And this day, they were literally oppressed by Rome. And Rome was no joke, the greatest army on the face of the planet at this time. They're waiting for Jesus to come and smite the Caesar down. And God, bring us liberation any kind of way. Didn't happen the way they thought. And so the Bible picks up the story this way. Here is Zechariah one of some 20,000 priests in his day, and the lot falls on him. He has to go into the holy place. There was an outer court, holy place, and most holy place. He's in the inner chamber, and he is burning incense before the Lord, as was his custom. And while he was in there, he has a visitation from an angel by the name of Gabriel. And Gabriel tells him, I see that you have been Righteous before God, keeping all the commandments. You're blameless. You're a good man. But you don't have a child. 
What do you do? I want to say this. Come on, think with me out loud. What do you do when you've done everything God told you to do, but it's still not working seemingly? Come on, am I the only one that's ever happened to? God, I I've, I've really did my best to live this life, and I got this diagnosis from the doctor. Come on, I, I pay tithes faithfully, and I lost my job? Come on, I do everything to the best of my ability, and this happened to my children? Or you have a promise from God, and the thing about when God promises something, rarely does God put a time stamp on them. It's like, when's it going to be? This guy was doing everything right. Verse 6, Luke 1, righteous before God, walking in all the commandments of the ordinances of the Lord. You are blameless, but verse 7 says, but they're barren. And in his day, if you were a woman and couldn't have a child, the society basically looked on you and said, you did something wrong. What did you do to make God punish you? Why are you barren? In other words, why can you not produce? Zachariah's name means God's remember, but I'm promising you this. He had felt like, watch this, God actually hadn't remembered him. Elizabeth means oath or covenant, but she's feeling like a person who right now, I don't even have an oath or a covenant. What do you do when you've done everything right and nothing appears to be working? Hebrews 10, 36, you ready for this? It says, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you can obtain the promise. Watch this now. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you can obtain the promise. In other words, you may do God's will for you in a specific area, but it does not mean immediately the result is going to jump out. So what do you have need of? What do you do when you're Advent? What do you do when you're just waiting and nothing's happening? Watch this. Endurance to do what? To keep going. I want to talk to every person in the room. You feel like you have a promise. You're believing God for something, but I see no evidence on the surface that this thing is going to work out. Even after you've done the will of God, the Bible says you still need endurance until the promise comes. So if I was the enemy, what would I make you think? I would make you think what the, the hidden message in their names. I would make you think, one, Zechariah, God doesn't remember. And I would make you think, two, Elizabeth, God has no oath or no covenant with you. You're going to give birth to nothing. You've done all of this for no reason. And I'm just believing the Bible says they were both well in Why does it say they were both well advanced in age after they were barren? Because you can see as a man, I'm thinking, man, this is over. I mean, I did my best. But he was still faithful serving God even when God hadn't showed up for him the way he thought he should have. Come on. Where are the people that know how to keep serving God faithfully even when you didn't get the report you wanted, you didn't get the promotion, you didn't get, the doctor didn't tell you what you wanted to hear, the marriage maybe didn't work out for you, but you still find something in the ebbings of your soul that makes you want to keep going forward. Can I tell you something? When I went to visit my mom, not last week, but uh, several months ago when she got COVID and the doctor told us that she wasn't going to make it. And I flew home. You know, the, the, the dangerous thing, not the dangerous thing, the crazy thing about COVID to me is you can't go see your loved ones in the hospital. That was very challenging for me. You know what I would do? I would drive to the hospital, Peter, in the parking lot, and I would call my mom on the phone. She could barely breathe. She's on a ventilator. I would, and I would say, the, the nurse, the, I had a very kind nurse. They would say, if you call it this time, we'll put the phone up there. Man, how awesome is that? And I'd say, Mom, I am as close as I can be right now, but I'm in the parking lot. What song do you want to hear, Mom? Amazing, amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. Mama said, Thank you. Thank you, Josh. I'm hanging with the phone, I sit in the parking lot, and I would man of flesh to God. 
I would go back to a, a law mindset. God, I, you know, I, I did exactly what you told me to do. I left my home in Northwest Oklahoma City. I left a really secure job. I did all this stuff. And I'm, I, I know by your stripes, like my mom was healed, but I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not seeing that manifest, man. Like, what do I do? And I know you're faithful. Like, I know you're good. I know you're a God that remembers, and I know I have a covenant with you, but I'm not seeing anything birth. My life is barren in this area. What next? And Joshua, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you shall obtain the promise. But what if my promise given to me by God doesn't come the way I think it should? I think God is coming down Ben Boulevard. No, he chooses to come down Catherine Lane. Do I get upset or do I receive what he's given me? Sometimes God might answer your prayer in a way that you want it to be answered. Or it may look like he's not answering it at all. The real test isn't on God. Remember, God's not in school. Seriously. God's faith doesn't need to grow. God's trust doesn't need to grow. God's faithfulness doesn't need to grow. Mine does. So Zechariah seeing no hope, and it looks like nothing's happening. He finds himself having need of endurance to obtain the promise after he's done the will of God, and he's faithful to serve in a house where it looked like the God he was serving wasn't even coming through for him, and he's still burning incense. Well advanced in years, time clock just clicking away. And in the middle of him being faithful of serving, he has an angelic visitation, which, by the way, there's 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, 400 years. The last person in the Old Testament to have a visitation from an angel was a prophet named Zechariah. Ah. And then 400 years later on, another guy who all he wanted was a kid had his life, literally given his life to serving God. All he wanted was a baby and it hadn't happened. But this guy still been faithful serving even when it looked like he was getting no fruit. And God shows up to Zechariah again 400 years later. And those 400 years of no angelic visitation, no prophets prophesying, no miracles happening, 400 years of what looked to be heaven's silence got shattered when a man chose to remain faithful with what God told him even when it looked like God wasn't moving. And the angel says, Zechariah, I got good news for you. Your prayer's been heard. You're going to give birth to a son. I would have thought he would have did the Holy Ghost jig. All these years, and your first statement is, ain't going to happen. What, what? Bro, you're looking at an angel right now. Come on. Religious people are the worst. I'm just telling you, like, listen, I'm telling you something. I, I love praying for people outside of church. I just do. You know the hardest people? It is for me to see Jesus move upon a lot of times outside of church. People that go to church. I was praying for a guy one time downtown. I'll never forget this. It was right near the bridge near the Harkins Theater. I prayed for his hand. I saw he had on a wristband. Um, he was a self-proclaimed atheist. I said, man, can I pray for your hand? He real quick, he's like, man, I don't even believe in that stuff. I said, man, it's cool. God believes in you. Can I pray for your hand? He's like, I, I, I really rather not. It won't take me long. So let me pray for your hand. Finally, he's like, I don't know if he felt sorry for me or himself. He was like, okay, he can pray for my hand. Just really quick, Jesus, I thank you. You love him so much that you show him by touching his hand. Thank you, Lord. Now, come on, I didn't pray a long time. I didn't say, Almighty God of Israel, <laughs> the God of the new covenant who at the last supper broke bread. And I didn't, don't be religious when you do this stuff. Just prayed for him. Said, check that out. And I forget it. He said, what the, did you do to my hand? Very Christ-like of him, right? I said, I didn't do nothing to your hand. The God who you didn't believe in, who believes in you, did that to your hand. Would God really do that? Please. This is God. He shows up for Zechariah, and he says, you're going to get birth. He will be great in the sight of his Lord. I want you to see this. There's some really unique things about this story. Um, as we lead up to, ad, uh, to Advent, to the birth of Christ, that, that make a lot of sense to me. Even Jesus needed an introduction to the planet. 
royalty always has a forerunner. The president don't go anywhere without people going ahead of him and making sure stuff is put in order. They know what food he's going to eat. They know who's going to be cooking it. They have checked it. I mean, the hotel room he's going to be staying. I mean, just... So God gives a forerunner to his son. His name, we know, was John. What does John mean? Great. What came ahead of Jesus? Grace prepared the way for the Christ. Listen, this is interesting. It says in verse 15 of Luke 1 of John, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mama's womb. In the belly, the boy was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's under the old covenant, God love. That's before the Holy Ghost had come in Acts 2. Because his dad found endurance and stayed faithful in what God called him in, even when he didn't see any fruit, God gave him, God allowed him to taste a promise before that promise had actually been given on the earth. He let his kid do it. I love this. His son got a word from God before he was born that he would turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want you to understand this. This is powerful. Here's what Advent teaches us here is that God has a destiny for our lives before we ever arrive on the planet. God gave John's destiny to him before he was born. Come on, everybody say Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Before I formed you in the belly, I Then he says, before you came forth from your mother's womb, I had already called you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God said, I knew you, I called you, and I ordained you before you're ever born. Your destiny doesn't come to you once you hit high school. What am I going to do with my life? God doesn't say, oh, I didn't see Cameron's going to be born. I got to figure out, what, 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 what can I have him do? I think I'm a, a carpenter. Yeah, you're going to be, no. Your destiny is given before you ever even arrive. Before we ever arrive on the planet, God knows your address you're going you're to live at. He knows where you're going to die. He knows what jobs you're going to have. He knows you're gonna, who you're going to marry. He knows if you're going to eat Popeye. That's why you got sick. I mean, God knows everything. Everything. He knows it all. Right? And he says, when this boy comes, he will take the hearts of the fathers and turn them back to the children. And he will take those that are regularly have been disobedient. And he will make them listen to the wisdom of the just. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Interesting. Now, let me just walk through this story with you just for a few more moments. So he gets an impossible promise. And like us, he said, uh, how's it going to happen? That's a pretty, I don't think that's a bad thing to say, seriously. I would have asked. You ever notice? We'll get there in a week or two. Mary asked the same thing. Mary said, how's it going to happen? You didn't smite Mary with mutinous. I'm like, come on now, Jesus. <laughs> the Bible said God is just. It never called him fair. But Mary was also 13 or 14 years old, and you are an old, advanced in years priest. You should know better. So he smites him with mutinous. He's waiting in there a long time. And when he comes out, you got... Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people from the tribe of Israel as a whole sitting there waiting for you to speak the Arionic blessing over them. And you start going, my brother start doing it. <laughs> and, that's where that, and that's where that dance came. The whole nation was starting. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Anyway, he was like, start motioning people. They don't know what's going on. And the Bible says this. They perceived that he saw an angel. I'm like, duh. Something happened to all of y'all. The man saw an angel. He saw an angel. He saw an angel. Gabriel said, you're not going to be able to talk until this thing happens. The whole nation is waiting. We're under oppression from Rome. We're almost, you can say, we're in a backslidden condition. The priests are weaponizing scripture, separating people from God. They won't even let sinners come close Separating people, the priests are perverted. They were literally selling sacrifices in the temple to make money. I mean, it, they're in a horrible place. 
And God says, I got to do something through Advent. I'm moving through waiting. Who are you going to pick to do it, God? I'm going to pick a man well advanced in years because he can't take credit for this when I do it. It's going to be all me. Matter of fact, when this boy is born, everybody's going to rejoice at his birth. Watch and see what happens. And for five months, Elizabeth hid herself away. You know what I think she was doing? I think she was going, is it really happening? How many have ever got a word from God and you have to encourage yourself when you don't see no results of it? Because watch this. If you don't learn how to be your own cheerleader in your word, if you, 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 can let, you can let Sarah do it if you want to. If, if your faith always has to come from other people, that is a bad, bad situation because God will speak something to you in your life that he wants to do that seems bigger than anybody in your family. You might be the first person to own a business in your family. You get a desire and you go tell Uncle Pookie, hey, you know what? God put a desire in me to birth the business. Boy, ain't nobody in your family ever started the business. You're going to be poor like the rest of us. Seriously? Nobody in your family ain't never had a healthy marriage. What makes you think you're going to have a healthy marriage? Everybody in your family died of heart attacks. You know you're going to be dead by the time you're 42. People say some crazy things to you. Yeah, but God told me. Yeah, but I'm looking at your bank account. Yeah, but God told me. Yeah, but you don't know the people that can make that stuff happen. You're not connected enough. Yeah, but God told me. And Gabriel told Zachariah, yes, your situation, that's pretty bad, but I am Gabriel who stands in the raw, unfiltered presence of Yahweh. I don't leave until he gives me a word, and I've seen him speak worlds into existence. And you think your old self is a problem for him? I'm Gabriel, friend. Proof that this is from God is I'm not going to let you speak anymore until it happens because the same way you almost messed it up with talking, I'm going to make sure you don't do that. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. And then he started the mind ministry. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, the Bible, the Bible has got, if I was God, like, I wouldn't have put that in there. I, I would have, I would have never let that stuff be in there. If I was God, some stuff would not be in the Bible. I'm going to just say, I wouldn't have put in there that Peter cussed. I would have definitely took that out. I would I wouldn't have put in there that, that Abraham didn't believe God a lot of times and he still became the father of faith. I would have took that out of the book, right? There's just stuff I would have taken out, but God said, no, I want you to see the raw, ugly side of what it looks like to walk with me at times. Because even when life's not fair, watch this, God is still good. <laughs> Advent, waiting. For five months, she's encouraging herself. God, you told me. couple months, you know, that baby bump starts forming. I, it was in month six of her pregnancy that Gabriel then goes and he visits Mary, and Mary then goes and visits Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth comes out of hiding. Because why am I going to tell people, you know, in my old age that I'm pregnant, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy if I don't have any proof. But she comes out of hiding when she has proof. It says she privately said to herself, she privately went into hiding. I'm telling you, you have to go into your private closet sometimes and say, God, you told me. You don't have, listen, I, I feel like I can legitimately write a book right now on my wife and I's journey the last two years. And I had a lot of times, God love, while I'm in private saying, God, I'm looking at my surroundings. <laughs> it is crazy. But you told me. I'm going to say this because I don't think you would mind about Sawyer and Jordan. I, I've had many witnesses that what we're doing here is Abba's heart. Um, I've only told this to my wife and a couple other people, but I, I oftentimes told the Lord, God, one thing I'll know if you ever do this, I'll know it's you. As I often said, if you let, this is before he was even married, if you let Sawyer Barnes come and be a part of what we're doing, I'll know it's you. And I also told Abba, I said, Papa, if you do that, I don't care where that happens. When I hear that word, I'm getting up and I'm running. Like I'm physically running. But I have been telling myself in private, God, I know this is you. You told me. I'm looking around, nothing. No building, no people, no money, eventually no job, nothing. What does it look like to, what does it look like? I'm not talking about walking on the end of a plank. I'm talking about walking on a word. 
You can see a plank. I'm talking about walking on a word. <sighs> Sawyer and Jordan called me and said, hey, can we talk with you? Can we meet with you? Yeah. We met, we met at Starbucks, MacArthur and Memorial. We're, we're at Starbucks talking. We talked for like, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes, give or take. And at the end of the conversation, it boiled down to, he said, you know what, Pastor Josh, man, we've been to several churches in the last few years trying to find a home and, you know, just wanting a place that we could be free. He said, remember when you told me one time, don't ever go to a place that dampens what God's doing in you. I said, I remember that. He said, man, the only place I've been to that that hadn't happened is when we came to the way a couple times. Hold on. By this, now, when he's saying that, I'm, I'm feeling something now. I'm feeling that Chick-fil-A sauce that's working up on the inside of my guts right there. Now, see. See, remember Elizabeth, oath of God? Remember Elizabeth? When Mary went to go see her, and as soon as the Bible said, as Mary walked in the door, and she greeted Elizabeth, the scripture says that John, Grace, when she spoke and said, hello, Elizabeth, it said that John leaped in the womb. Literally, that salutation made her baby leap. Sawyer's talking to me. He just winds it down. He says, basically, can we be a part of that family? I literally said, I stood up. I said, give me one second. I put my glasses down. I'm, on, I'm by the turnpike on MacArthur Memorial, and I took off running outside. Came back in about five minutes because I told God, I said, God, if you do that, I know I'm in the right place and I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, we had been here for a while before they came and I had gotten many witnesses, but God just wanted to show me who he was that I hear even your faintest hearts cry. Do you have any clue what God's doing on the other side of your obedience? Do you have any clue what God's doing on the other side of your obedience? What do you do when you got a promise from God and nothing's happening? Stay faithful in that area. Listen, stay faithful in that area. Not only did Elizabeth get encouragement from Mary, eventually the Bible says, guys, I love, I love the scripture. Eventually the Bible says that it was time to give birth. Come on, uh, to the keys for me, Alyssa. She goes to give birth. The angel had already given him a name before he was born. He had already told what his destiny was going to be before he was born. Just waiting on the boy to be born. He gets born, and the Bible says people were rejoicing because Gabriel said at his birth, many people will be rejoicing. That happened. Watch this now. He's born in his day. Not all the time, but a large part of their culture was you'll always name the baby after their father. What did all the cousins say, name him? Name him what? No, what did, what did the cousins say? What did the family say? Name him Zachariah. O-Z-J. Zach Jr. You know what Elizabeth said? We ain't doing that. We're not doing that. We're not, we're not going to name him Zach Jr. We're not going to do it. What am, I, what, am I, what am I supposed to name him? She said, name him John. They didn't pay her no attention because she was a woman. And on that day, they looked at Daddy Zach. What am I supposed to name him? The man who couldn't talk, who had received the promise the first time. Scripture said, he said, give me a, give me a writing tablet. Give me something to write with. Watch this. He said, name him. Which spells what? When he came into agreement with what God had originally spoken to him. <laughs> God here, Zechariah here, when he put himself in alignment with what Papa had spoken to him, the Bible says, and after nine months, his tongue was loose. Name that boy John. Name him Grace. And Grace went on to be great in the sight of the Lord. Grace would live to be 
30 years old as well. This Grace, who was John, would never drink alcohol in his day. He was actually in line to be a priest. The only way you could be a priest is you had to be born in that line. You know what he ended up doing? God love. The priests were religious peacocks, man. They wore the best clothing, bright, beautiful. They lived in the best homes. They never got their hands dirty other than when they were cutting up animals. They were praised by people. You would see them coming down the street, Peter. You would get on the side because this was a priest of God. Zechariah became of age. And history says this of, of, I'm sorry, John became of age. That John rejected being a priest because there was no glory there. It was all a sham. He said, if that's what a move of God looks like, I'm waiting. This is Advent. I'm waiting for the Messiah. We're not going to get it that way. The last 400 years should have showed us that. And he rejected all of that. And he went to live in the wilderness, Robert. He rejected nice robes. Watch this. For camel's hair. And a leather belt around his loins. He rejected nice food, Lindsay. You know what he... he you know what his diet was? What? Locust and honey. Get a little bit of grasshopper leg in your teeth there, John. Brother, you could have been eating filet mignon of your day, but you chose locust and honey. And we don't know how long for years, though, he was in the wilderness. They, history says that he, most people believe anyway, he lived with the Essenes, but they were people that were fully dedicated to God. And John learned to hear the voice in the wind even though he didn't have rabbinical teaching like from the rabbis of his day. He found himself in scripture. And at the age of 30, he would come out of hiding. I read a book one time that said people didn't know whatever happened to John. They just thought he vanished or he died or he was eaten. They didn't know what happened. But you could go by the wilderness of his day. And every once in a while, you could hear a man just lamenting and travailing in the wilderness. And nobody knew who that was. But one day, here comes John out of the wilderness after 30-some years preaching a message of repentance for the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand. You can't do that, John. You're not a priest. Oh, I'm a priest. I've been hearing directly from God. And what John's predecessors hundreds of years earlier, when they went into the promised land, the Bible says they saw giants in the land and they came back and they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. But John said, the thing that kept our ancestors out of the promised land, I made a meal out of them and I've been eating them. And I'm telling you, he's coming. And John began to preach about a Christ that was coming. Take all that back. It started in the process of them waiting. Can I get our prayer team just to come up front here for me? I, I feel really specific today to encourage you in your faith in regards to waiting. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I do not like to wait for nothing. Let me put this up here for me. I don't like to wait for nothing. But some things are worth waiting for. And I want to encourage you in this Advent season of waiting. Whatever it is you are believing God for, watch this. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Say it again. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Watch this. For you shall reap if you what? So you have need of what? Endurance. So that after you've done everything you were supposed to do, you can actually obtain the promise. I specifically want to pray for people that you feel like, man, you're in a time crunch. This thing ain't happening. I feel like I'm at the end of my faith. What in the world do I do? I ask our prayer team to come up today to specifically just pray with you and agree with you to not, so you never think that basically you're alone. Come on, stand to your feet with me. I'm going to ask Alyssa just to spend a few more moments of playing, but I want to create a prayer room over the next few minutes in this room here. And if you don't got anything else to pray for, can you just let the beauty of the Advent season just rest on you as we look for 
the coming of our Christ as we get ready to celebrate Christmas. If that's you, man, you could just simply just do that and thank God for the beauty of his son. But if you are in this room and you're believing for something, it could be physically, emotionally, mentally, merrily, relationally, financially, whatever arena, I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to count to three, and that'll just be your sign to move. I want you to get out of your seat. Come, let us pray for you. We're going to agree with you. This Advent season, you're not going to be overcome with grief. You're going to be overcome with strength. You're not going to be overcome with doubt. You're going to be overcome with faith. You're not going to be overcome with sadness. No, no, no. You're going to be overcome with joy. You're not going to be overtaken by barrenness. I'm telling you, God is bringing fruitfulness to you now. In Jesus' name. Come on. One, two, three. If that's you, would you just come and find some teams? Let us pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Just make this a prayer room for the next few moments. Come on. What do you believe in God for? Come on. Talk to him about it. 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 something to be said about faithful people that have been faithful in the thing that God called them to do. If God be for you, who can be against you? With God, Gabriel said, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. I want to encourage you with Mark 9, 
To him who believes, nothing shall be impossible. <laughs> this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Would you put your hands over your heart for a moment? Just repeat after me. Say, Father, today I stand faithful to what you called me to. I stand believing in your promise. Advent is my joy. I don't mind waiting because I know in my waiting my motives are made pure. I know in my waiting my faith is made strong. I know in my waiting even in my weakness your strength is going to be perfected in my life. This isn't for my glory. It is for your glory. And I will stand. And I will wait. In Jesus' name. Amen. I feel Holy Spirit right now, man. I want to speak this word. If you're barren in this room, I'm telling you, I break that now in Jesus' name. That's even a prominent fear. I'm telling you, that will not be your label. And for the moms, you feel like, I've tried and it has never happened. I want you to understand something. You are not what happened to you. You are a son or you are a daughter. You have value. But I just want to speak right now. Jesus, I thank you for breaking barrenness off of people. And I don't even mean just for children. I mean barren in any area. In any area. Some of y'all are barren in real friends. Why, Holy Spirit? Scripture says that God turns the wasteland into a garden. Even in barren places, God can make a spring to be there. I want to ask Alyssa just to take a few more moments and play, or they can put something on in the back. But these altars are open if you want to come, lay, wait, or stay. Or even you can feel free just to stay right where you are in your seats. You have permission to do that. But I speak this over you. Through Jesus, God has blessed you. Through Jesus, he's made his grace to shine upon you. Through Jesus, his face will always be your delight. We love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.